How's it going, everybody? This is Brian for Pop Culture Crossing, and today we are talking about the Philadelphia story. So this movie was released in 1940 and surrounds the story of Tracy Lord's wedding. Now, Tracy is a rich socialite from a very historic, rich family in Philadelphia. The film features memorable characters, great dialogue, a complex, dramatic, though humorous story, and great cinematography. All the elements that I think you know, result in a great movie. I think you'll enjoy it and you'll probably want to share it with your friends. So the story of this movie is based on Philip Berry's play. And this portrays the final hours leading up to the to the wedding of Tracy Lord. She's getting married to a man named George Kittredge. And he, unlike Tracy, was not born into wealth. Rather, he grew into wealth through his professional uh, progression. Now, the plans for the wedding, however, are complicated when Sidney Kidd, the publisher of a tabloid magazine called Spy, sends a reporter and a photojournalist, uh, Macaulay Connor, portrayed by Jimmy Stewart, and Elizabeth Embry, portrayed by Ruth Hussey, to infiltrate the Lord wedding, which was being held on the Lord estate, and to provide a juicy story for the magazine. So, because the Lords are pretty strict and do not like the press, especially the tabloids, uh, you know, it's not easy to get in. But the way that they get in is through Tracy's ex-husband, C.K. Dexter Haven, who has also worked for Spy Magazine in their Buenos Aires uh, Bureau. And he plans to introduce Macaulay and Elizabeth to the lords as friends of Tracy's brother who works in Argentina and you know knows Dexter as expected you have all of the workings and elements here for a very dramatic and humorous story to unfold so Dexter's unannounced arrival at the lord residence you know naturally irritates and distracts Tracy from focusing on the last hours and the last day before her wedding. Luckily for the Lords, Tracy, her younger sister Diana, and Tracy's mother Margaret are very sharp and astute and figure out pretty quickly what's going on here and that Macaulay and Elizabeth are not actually friends of uh, her brother Genius, but are actually tabloid reporters. So once the, Tracy figures this out, she tells Dexter, Dexter actually confesses and explains that he's being exploited by Sidney Kidd, the spy magazine publisher, as part of a big uh, blackmail operation that if Spy doesn't write a juicy story about Tracy's wedding, uh, Kidd will publish a like takedown piece on Tracy's philandering father, Seth Lord. So all this complexity is developing very uh, early on in the movie. The film's pace in general is very brisk, develops really rapidly, and this is largely due to the intricacies of the story and the film itself. So because of these factors, I definitely recommend if you're watching this for the first time that you watch it with no distractions because, you know, you want to 
pick up on all the story beats. It's very easy to miss something. And if you miss something, you know, it could, you know, really alter your perspective of the film as a whole. So you really want to be of a sharp mindset when you're watching this. Now, that's not to say that this movie isn't fun because it is a very entertaining and fun movie to watch. You just want to be able to follow the whole story progression and, you know, keep track of all the details at play here. Now, as the story develops, Tracy learns that Macaulay is a writer and, you know, she actually finds his book and really admires the poetry and the proverbs of his writing. And this sparks a flirtatious relationship between the two. And, you know, this coupled with the fact that Dexter just shows up and it's, you know, kind of obvious that he may still like her, creates a full-fledged love triangle. So you have Tracy in the middle and then you have George Kittredge, C.K. Dexter Haven, and Macaulay Connor. So Tracy's new emotional state kind of when she starts flirting with Macaulay is really compounded by the fact that her wedding is the next day. So, not great timing, not, you know, just not a good situation. So, that really compounds and dramatizes the story. Now, the Philadelphia story's narrative, though it is complex, is quite engaging, as I mentioned briefly. And the tone is fairly dramatic as a whole, I would say, though there are uh, very fun, light, comedic elements peppered throughout. So, it's not just dry terse drama it is very light and entertaining so throughout the multifaceted nature of the story and tracy's love triangle there are several very important lessons that are clearly communicated and there's particularly a a sequence of several scenes in the second act um where these important messages are really vocalized. So I want to share these with you just briefly. They provide some of this important messaging in the movie. I don't consider them to be spoilers. Pretty much everything that happens following uh, these conversations is spoilers, and you know I'm not going to talk about that because you should watch it. But anyways, so there are three conversations. Conversation Tracy has with uh, Dexter a conversation Tracy has with George Kittredge, and a conversation Tracy has with her father, Seth. So the first off, you know, uh, Tracy, you know, was raised in this wealthy family. She's quite spoiled and, frankly, acts like a goddess. So Dexter notes that because of this, she's always had people get her out of her problems. She's never had to fix her own problems or anything that she has caused. She always has her family come rescue her. So because of this, Dexter charges uh, Tracy with being a classic narcissist who, you know, in addition to to being a narcissist, is very judgmental of others and other, the mistakes of others. And she herself has her own struggles, but she maintains this veneer of protection and, You know, she acts like she's protected from everyone else. And because of this, she acts perfect. And she thinks that she's perfect and acts like this goddess. Now, more importantly, Dexter goes even further and says that Tracy will never be a first-class woman until she learns to accept human frailty and weakness. Now, these are, you know, (laughs) 
pretty pretty scathing critiques of Tracy's life here because Tracy just had this conversation with Dexter kind of opened her eyes to how others perceive her and because of this she now views Kittredge a little bit differently and through Kittredge's conversation with her it becomes very evident that he does view her as a goddess and this like perfect statue that he puts up on a pedestal and he has no intention of you know bringing down so this all slightly alters and kind of jars Tracy's perception of Kittredge and you know it becomes very clear that Kittredge well Tracy actually is very concerned that Kittredge may have actually fallen in love with her aura instead of Tracy the human now shortly after this talk you know these conversations are so sequential it's like boom 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 and it's like holy cow talk about overwhelming insane conversation um so this final talk between her father seth and tracy happens leading up right into this final party the night before the wedding and seth just curtly and bluntly explains that tracy possesses everything that she needs to be a lovely woman except an understanding heart and uh you know, Seth's observation as well as Dexter's observation complement each other in that she's not understanding. She's, you know, doesn't accept human weakness. She kind of, and because of that, she thinks of herself as, you know, above everyone else. And these observations from Seth and Dexter are clearly juxtaposed by Kittredge's just obsession with her being a goddess and him just like worshiping her. However, Tracy doesn't want to be venerated and worshipped. She just wants to be loved like a human, like everyone else. Keep in mind, there's this love triangle going on, and then everything else happens. And the third act is full and replete with drama and humor. So I'm not going to spoil how the movie pans out here. I'm just going to set this up, note some of these important lessons here. And hope that you watch the movie and experience it for yourself, because I think you're really missing out if you don't. Now, the performance performances of the entire cast is just terrific across the board. So in terms of the principles, Cary Grant, C.K. Dexter Haven is very well done. He's a very calm and collected character, though he's sensitive, and he communicates that very well. You get a good sense of Dexter's past and his previous marriage to uh, Tracy and Grant is great in communicating the emotions felt by Dexter you know very convincingly Catherine Hepburn's Tracy Lord is very skillfully acted now Tracy's developmental character arc is great and impressive and notable and this speaks to both the writing as well as Hepburn's ability to accurately portray this James Stewart and Ruth Hussey's portrayal of Macaulay Connor and Elizabeth Embry, or Embry rather, are very well acted as well. And the sharp wit of these two characters, especially, and just the expert way in which they deliver them, is very memorable. They have a lot of great one-liners and just you know side observations that some of the audience may be thinking, but they kind of say it. Now, John Howard's George Kittredge is also a very compelling performance. 
Howard does a great job of showing that Kittredge was not born into the wealth like Dexter or Tracy. Rather, he grew into it. He was a coal miner, and then he rose through the ranks and became the manager of a coal company. And because of this, he is still kind of on the outside. So he there's a lot of like the upper privileged class that he doesn't really understand and that he's learning that through Tracy and the Lords. And I think that this element helps make Kittredge a more realistic character. Um, if it weren't for Kittredge, Macaulay, or Elizabeth, you know, the movie would just be full of these super opulent rich people and the majority of the audiences don't have points of references or touchstones for that. So these uh, those three characters and, you know, Dinah's character, the younger sister, especially make it more... Uh, you know, more realistic and connects more with the audience themselves. Lastly, uh, Virginia Wheeler's Dinah Lord is, you know, Tracy's younger sister is the most enjoyable character in the movie, I think. Just <laughs> Dinah likes Dexter. She doesn't like Kittredge and she's not, you know, happy about this whole marriage thing at all. And though she is young she's very perceptive very self-aware and she actually connects a lot of the dots of you know what's happening <laughs> between the characters uh before the char the adult characters themselves are able to see and realize what's going on and you know this keen awareness coupled with her dramatic antics just adds to the character's charm and you know this type of a character actually really reminds me of Mara Wilson's uh, Susan Walker in Miracle on 34th Street in that they are very young, but they are wise well beyond their years. And, you know, their observations and opinions go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the adult characters. And Weedler does a great depiction of this and is spot-on in her performance. So the Philadelphia stories... Production design and cinematography are also well done. And, you know, they are worth noting, frankly. The set pieces, particularly the pieces around the Lord Estate and residence, are very well done and well realized. And these set pieces, complemented with the cinematography and the tight tight nature of the shots um and just how the shots themselves are composed really make it immersive and make the audience feel like you are actually a fly on the wall on you know in the tr the lord residence watching this entire thing unfold it's actually really impressive how it's uh, the production design and the cinematography are executed now george cooker's direction of the philadelphia story is frankly nothing but masterful uh, he is able to seamlessly translate this complex story and originally play into a cohesive tight film and the final product is just clear evidence of Cooker's ability to expertly manage the production the cinematography the uh, music and uh, expert ability to bring about very very great convincing performances from his entire cast and as such tell a quite touching story 
So I have seen the Philadelphia story numerous times, and each time I see it, it seems like I pick up on something new, and this is a testament of robust storytelling and directing. Now, this movie, I highly recommend it. I think it's a great go-to movie if you're looking you know, for something that's complex, though touching, and has you know romantic and dramatic elements mixed with uh, light comedic parts. Let me know what you think in the comments below or on Twitter. And please check out my written and a little bit more detailed review on popculturecrossing.com. And have you seen the movie? If you have, what were your thoughts about it? You know, what's your thoughts about the whole important messaging and how that played out in the love triangle? Be wary of spoilers, so please spoiler tag appropriately. If you have not seen this movie, you know, do you think you'll check it out now after seeing this? Or, you know, do you think you'll give it a pass for some reason? I should note that the same story was also uh, remade into a musical in 1956 called High Society. So, you know, have you seen High Society? And, you know, are you now interested in seeing the original uh, theatric production of it? Let me know your thoughts there. Who was your favorite character and what was the most surprising uh, development of the Philadelphia story that you noticed? Comment below or let me know on Twitter your thoughts and we'll keep the conversation alive. And as always, if you like this review, I appreciate it if you would uh, subscribe and share this with your friends or family. Please help me spread the word and get the word out there and uh, hope you enjoy this. Thanks for watching. Bye. Thank you.